0: See, it's easy to look at our neighbors and see them as the business owner or the person who lives in the apartment complex or the frat guy. It's easy to look at our neighbors and see them because they're homeless or an addict or whatever their problem is that we are looking at. And when we look at them according to the lens of what they offer to us or what we perceive about them, we miss the point altogether. See, when Jesus says the greatest, second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself, he's telling us that we need to see the value our neighbors bring not just to our life, but to this world around us. See, our neighbors, just like you and just like me, are loved by God.
1: Hi, this is Chris from The Point, a church where you can come as you are and you can text in your questions. You may not be sure what you believe about God, Jesus, faith, or the Bible, and that's okay because faith is not about having it all figured out and God is not waiting for you to put your life together before he'll connect with you. If you'd like to find out more about The Point, you can visit our website at thepointknox.com or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at The Point Knox. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m., We pray this message has an impact in your life, or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are. We
0: are beginning today a brand new series called The Art of Neighboring. Anybody in here a really good neighbor? I often fail at that. In fact, I have nicknames for some of my neighbors based entirely on the things I've observed them doing that uh, probably would not be very nice to actually call them and I know I should change that, so I only use them for myself. I'm like, oh, there's so-and-so over there, right? We as Americans are really terrible at loving our neighbors, but this is what Jesus calls us to do. This is what we're commanded to do in Scripture as people who follow God is to love our neighbors. So how do we do that? Over the course of the next couple of weeks, we are going to be diving in to say, what does it look like for us as a community to love our neighbors? Not just here in a new space, in a new location where we physically have new neighbors, but to love our neighbors where we already live and work and play. How do we love our neighbors wherever we are? So when it comes to thinking of love and the best way to love other people, what book of the Bible stands out for you? Feel free to shout them out. I'll listen. What do you think of when you think of loving your neighbor? What was that? First Corinthians. Love is patient. Love is kind. And I'm none of these things. Oh boy, right? What next? I either can't hear you or you're not shouting. That's fine. There's more coffee if you need. Uh, Here's... The Ten Commandments, loving your neighbor. Why would commandments be all about loving your neighbor? Well, because they're all about how do we care for one another and relate to one another so that it's better for us. They're not just a list of arbitrary do's and don'ts, like it's really good for your neighbor if you don't tell lies, right? And if you don't kill them, it's even better. And if you have kids, sometimes you might want to kill them. Don't, okay? It's not a good idea. Loving your neighbor, there's all kinds of scripture we can think about, but how many of you, when you think of love, just can't wait to read the book of Leviticus? (laughs) And if you're like, I have no idea what that word means or what that is, the book of Leviticus is towards the beginning of the Bible, and it's functionally a book of laws. Like imagine sitting down and reading the Tennessee legal code. Would you feel like you're loving your neighbor reading that? See, Leviticus was given to the people of God right after he had delivered them from slavery. They were enslaved in Egypt. They were bound in sin. They had no real hope for the future. And God came and he rescued them in a miraculous way. And then as he led them into this newfound freedom and this new life that they were to live, he sat them down at a mountain and said, let me just tell you what life with me looks like. Let me tell you what you as a people should look like when you're living with and for me. Let me show you yet another way. And Leviticus is right in the middle of this conversation where God is telling his people, this is how you love. This is what it's like to be my people. And if you read Leviticus, there's some really bizarre things in the book of Leviticus, In fact, most Christians today, just when they have like their year Bible reading plan, they want to read through the Bible, they might make it through Genesis and maybe Exodus, and then they get to Leviticus, and they just quit. You ever done that? Tried to read the Bible in a year, and you get to Leviticus, and you're like, I have no idea what this is about, and you just stop altogether? Most Christians look at Leviticus and say, well, this... This is good for them, but we don't really need this book. Jesus, he abolished the law, didn't he? He got rid of the law, and so none of it really matters anymore. And some of these things, you'll see, probably don't matter anymore. Like Leviticus chapter 3, verse 17, it says this. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwelling places that you eat neither fat nor blood. Anybody in here ever had a ribeye that was medium rare? You broke both of those in one law, one meal, right? There, there's other things in here that are even more weird, like specifically referring to priests. Uh, so me, right here, right? In chapter 10, verse six, it says this. And Moses said to Aaron and to Eliezer and Ithmir, his sons, do not let the hair on your heads hang loose and do not tear your clothes lest you die and wrath come upon all the congregation. Uh-oh. Sorry about that, guys. All right, there's some laws about the way the people of God are to live and even the things the priests are supposed to do and the way they're supposed to look that were for the sake of the community. And so when we say that the Levitical laws, these things of Leviticus don't really matter, most of the time what people are thinking of are laws like this that are just kind of weird communal laws but not necessarily natural for everybody. There's other fun, weird laws in there uh, that would be really applicable today, actually, and I wish we still followed this one. In chapter 11, there's about six verses, 13 through 19, that describes all kinds of birds that we should avoid eating, all right? Like, hey, here you go. Uh, You should avoid eating uh, the eagle or the bearded vulture or the black vulture, and it continues with a whole bunch of other birds to include, like, don't eat owls and falcons. Oh, and by the way, don't eat bats, Like, how much better would we be today if nobody ate bats, right? Right? And so there's all these laws about things we should and shouldn't do, and sometimes we look at them and they're super weird. Like, who cares? Why does God say, don't eat falcons? Well, I don't know, because falcons are pretty cool. But maybe there's some other reasons too. And so a lot of these communal laws, these things that were for the people of God, the Israelites, weren't natural laws that everybody needed to follow. They were only intended for the Jewish people. And they were intended to actually set the people aside as different from the world, and many of them had some health benefits. Like if we don't eat bats, things will go better for us, health-wise, right? Or pork, if you've ever undercooked pork and you did not feel well after eating that, there's a reason why God said don't eat pork. Because if you don't know how to check the temperature and make sure it's thoroughly cooked, you're probably in danger of eating undercooked bacon. But some of these laws are actually things we should still look to today. Some of them don't just describe the life of the community, the people of God that was different from the world around them. Some of them actually describe the way things are supposed to be. Like at their very core, this is what life is supposed to be like. So there are laws in there like, hey, incest, that's really bad, you should avoid that. There are laws in the book of Leviticus, like how do you defend the honor of somebody who's been raped? Surely we should care about that today, right? Or what about accidental manslaughter? If you accidentally kill somebody, how do we make sure that your punishment is not the same as somebody who purposefully kills people? There are laws in Leviticus about that. Some of the laws there, while the specifics may not apply to us, the concept most certainly does. We surely should care about our neighbors and care about those who've been oppressed, and we should most definitely give true testimony in court on behalf of our brother. There's one chapter in particular I want us to look at today. Leviticus chapter 19. If you would like to pull out your phone, you can find this scripture on uh, thepointknocks.com. You can use a Bible app. You can also use physical Bibles. I know those still exist today. Uh, This is proof right here, all right? You can follow along if you'd like. Leviticus 19. This is where I want us to start when it comes to learning how to love our neighbors. It is filled with all kinds of laws like this first one here in verse nine. When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. And you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Did you catch what he's saying there? When you go out to harvest to bring in your wealth, when you go out to bring in your source of living, when you go out to bring in your very sustenance, hey, leave a little bit for those who are poor and those who are travelers, foreigners, who don't have their own land, their own way to provide. Leave a little bit to care for others. Sounds like a pretty good law, right? Then he continues, you shall not steal. You shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. You shall not swear by not my name falsely and so profane the name of your God. I am the Lord. If we want to love our neighbor, it certainly makes sense to say, hey, let's be honest people, right? Let's be people filled with integrity that care about the poor and about those who are traveling and immigrants, those who don't have a home of their own. Let's be people who care honestly. And it continues. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. You shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind, but you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. Seems to make sense, right? Treat others kindly. Be good to them. If they've earned a wage, pay them. Imagine how different our community would look like just if we stopped with these few here. And we just started to say, of everything we earn, we're gonna save a portion for those who have nothing. Would our community look a lot different? Or what if we said, of everything we have, we're gonna save a portion for those who maybe are traveling and don't have a place to call home? Or, you know, we're just gonna be filled with integrity. And it might cost me a little bit, but I'll do the right thing no matter what. Wouldn't Knoxville be better if we lived according to this law? And then it continues. Verse 15, you shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but in righteousness shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord your God. I love that refrain, I am the Lord. I am the Lord over and over again. He says, this is the way you should be as a people. I am the Lord. And I kind of wonder if we were to translate this today, if it would sound a little bit like this. Like, you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. Did I stutter? Huh? <laughs> you shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. This is the way. God's just like, look, I'm God. I can say whatever I want. And what I'm saying is care about others. Love them, be good to them, treat them as you wish to be treated. Then he goes on, verse 17, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. Anybody have a neighbor you just can't stand? Don't name them, all right? You have that neighbor who just seems to always find a way to get on your nerves. Maybe they're just terrible at mowing their grass and it drives you nuts. Or they just mow like two feet into your yard and you don't like the way it looks. Or all kinds of silly reasons we get mad at our neighbors. It says, look, you should not uh, hate your neighbor and your, your brother in your heart, but you should reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. He goes on, you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Imagine if we as a people, if just the hundred of us at the point, loved our neighbors like this. Would your neighborhood look and feel any different? If we made it a point to say, I won't hold a grudge or take vengeance, but I will reason frankly with my neighbor, would our communities be better? And then he finishes, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, when we want to dismiss the book of Leviticus, there's some things in there like the hair that I'm kind of thankful we're allowed to dismiss, but there's some things we certainly should not dismiss. And there were some religious people who wanted to put Jesus on the spot and test him. And these religious people, they uh, later when Jesus comes along, they wanted to see, can we catch him making a mistake? And so they come to him asking him about these very laws in Leviticus. Which ones are the most important? What do we really need to follow? What do we really need to listen to, Jesus? So here's what it says. In chapter 22 of the book of Matthew, beginning in verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees. You see, just before this, a group of other religious leaders who didn't believe in the resurrection of the dead came and asked Jesus a trick question to try to trip him up about what would happen at the resurrection. And Jesus basically dismisses him like, you don't even believe this anyway, Who cares? And they're kind of left speechless, and they walk away. And after this, now, this another another group of leaders is like, well, maybe it's our turn to trick Jesus. These things he's saying, I just don't like them. They don't fit with my worldview. Maybe I can find something different, a different meaning. So they come and they ask him. One of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Like of all of the laws, the 600 plus unique specific things about how we're to live and how we're to be, what one's most important? Now, you and I aren't asking this question probably because for the most part, we're not really reading Leviticus like the things we need to do when we wake up in the morning. But maybe you've asked this question, God, what do you want of me? Like, what is your plan in my life? I don't know where to go next. Where do I go from here? Very similar questions God, what's the most important thing in your law? In your word, what do you want more than anything else? And Jesus, he replies, he says this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. This is not saying like your heart, your soul, and your mind like three separate parts, but this was thought of as the entirety of the human existence is heart, soul, and mind. Look, in everything that you are, Love God. That's the most important thing. But then there's a second great commandment. He continues, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. See, Jesus didn't come just to fulfill the law and then abolish it. He actually came to fulfill it that we can live it to its fullest, freest sense. You see, because if we love God fully with everything else, the natural overflow of that is to then begin to love the people who God loves, which would be your neighbors, you and me. The natural result of loving God is we begin to love others differently. So Jesus says this, let me quote from Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. He continues and he says, on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Everything of God in the Old Testament, everything you can read of God in the New Testament, the whole Bible can be summed up in these two things. Love God, love others. That's it. Now because we live in a culture that doesn't always understand love, over the next several weeks, we're gonna unpack some of what that means to love others. And one of the weeks is how do we love others when we have to have the really hard conversation. You know the conversation where things aren't good and we know they're not good and we don't want to tell them they're not good because we're afraid that feels unloving? Sometimes love requires us to say and do really hard things, but sometimes it's a lot simpler than that. In fact, most of the time, our love doesn't require us to say and do really, really hard things. Most of the time, it's super simple. And so that's what we're gonna look at today, a few practical ways you can begin to love your neighbor today and tomorrow and whatever number of days remain for you. Some really simple ways we do this. Now, we are in a brand new neighborhood as a church, and I have kind of taken it on myself. I wanna get to know the neighbors. And we have some neighbors that are in all kinds of different walks of life. And because over the last couple of weeks I've met a few of them, I wanted to introduce you to a couple of them. Now, they're not here in person, so you'll have to actually like, do the work of getting to know them. Uh, some of them are here in person. But I just want to share with you some of my experience in this neighborhood in the last couple of weeks. So across the street there's a toy and comic store, and they sell those like pop figureheads, right? I've never really been into them, but apparently they're a really big deal. Uh, he's got one in there that's like a $900 toy like wow people buy that incredible Uh, and I don't know if you've noticed but there's a lot of trash in this neighborhood and we don't have a trash can and so I've been hauling loads of trash in pickup trucks to the dump and that's a lot of work and really expensive and so I just the other day went over and I I went in there and the owner happened to be there that day and I said hey do you mind if we just use your dumpster while we figure out a trash situation yeah that's fine So Mike, the owner, he's sharing his dumpster with us and I got to know him and he's very chatty. He was really friendly. We had quite the conversation and he told me about all that he's experienced in this neighborhood over the last two years and all the things they've tried to do and just how much they love this neighborhood. And I was like, well, Mike, it's really good to get to know you. Yesterday I was here dropping off some supplies and I thought I'll just go ahead and pick up some trash while I'm here and my kids were helping. They thought it was a lot of fun to use those little pinchers and try to pinch each other uh, as you should when you're using those things. So we're walking around picking up trash and this lady comes over. Uh, she lives in Blunt County but she regularly comes down just to buy some stuff from this toy store. And she said, hey, I was talking to Mike and he's really excited. You guys are in the neighborhood and so if he's really excited, I'm really excited and she pulled out some cash and goes, hey, I just want to support what you guys are doing. Here you go. A total stranger who I've never met approached me because I said, can we use your trash can? Neighboring doesn't have to be that hard. Uh, A few weeks back, before one of our first work days, I was picking up trash. You'll notice the theme here in a moment. But I was picking up some trash, and as I was picking up some trash, a lady walked by with her dogs. And so I stopped her and started a conversation. And I said, do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? Go for it. So, what do you love most about this neighborhood? And she told me the things she loves about this neighborhood. And I said, "What, what would you change if you could change anything in this neighborhood? And then Jennifer, she began to tell me about the very thing I was doing. She's like, there's a lot of trash. I wish there was less trash. I can take care of that. At least on this block, we've got you. So I got to meet Jennifer. She lives in one of the apartments right over here. And we were having some work days trying to clean the space up. And uh, some of you were here moving these pews, which by the way, they're super heavy. Uh, That's why we only moved a few. (laughs) And they were terrible to carry upstairs. So if you want to move some more, You can do that. Have fun, all right? But we're moving some pews, and a guy up on one of the balconies next to us um, started talking to me, and he's like, oh, are you guys moving in? Yeah, I'm the pastor here. We're moving in. We're excited to be in the neighborhood. And I, I came to find out his name's Kyle. And about a week later, I learned Kyle doesn't just live next door, but he really cares about this neighborhood. And the way he cares about this neighborhood is he loves to take his produce that's a little bit past fresh, and he loves to throw it out the window for the birds to eat. And I learned this as we were cleaning up the flower bed and strawberries started raining down on us. (laughs) It's fun to get to know your neighbors. Uh, I've gotten to meet several who live or work nearby and I've also gotten to meet several in this neighborhood who live and work nearby and their life looks a little different than Kyle or Jennifer. In fact, I met a lady on Wednesday, I wish I remembered her name, it was Angel or Angelica or Angelina, something that started with Angel, but I can't remember the second part of it. But I met her on Wednesday and when I pulled up here to meet with Emily and to talk through some of the stuff we needed to do this week, she was clearly having a really bad day. And by bad I mean she was in a fight with somebody throwing water bottles and other things across the parking lot at him. And so I sat in my car until she kind of calmed down, and then I went over and started talking to her. And in the process of talking with her, I got to hear some of her story about how at 24 years old, she's been homeless for several years. She's been pretty much on her own since she was 16 and has struggled with all kinds of drugs. In fact, there was a bag of them sitting there at her feet. And I got to hear how she hasn't seen her her four-year-old daughter in six or seven months. You know, as I stood there having this conversation waiting for Emily, I realized I have no idea how to love her. Because loving her looks a little different than loving Kyle and loving Jennifer and loving Mike. Because what she needs in the moment looks a little different. And I know you have neighbors, some of whom are really easy to love and a lot of fun and some of whom are probably hurting and going through some pain in life, and you're just left going, I don't know what to do to help. I don't know how to love. So these are three really simple things you and I can begin doing to love our neighbors. You see, the truth is, according to a study that came out last fall, last August, at the same time all this Mr. Rogers documentary and movies and stuff was coming out, there's a study of how well do Americans know their neighbors. And 57% of Americans only know some of their neighbors. Like only a few of them. I don't know all of my neighbors. And then on top of that, of those who know some of their neighbors, 58% of Americans said they never get together and hang out with their neighbors for any reason. We as people in America are really bad at getting to know others. And we're really bad at taking that first step and saying, I want to get to know you. And here's a perfect example. Do you have somebody in your life that you have known for like four or five years or longer and you can't remember their name? And you don't wanna like say, I don't know your name because you're past the point where you should definitely know their name, right? And you're definitely past the point where you should have asked a long time ago. So now every time you talk to him, you're like, hey, how's it going, friend, buddy? Right? You just like work around their name, or here's, I'm gonna let you in on a little secret, here's a trick that I use. If I'm hanging out with somebody that I think you might not know, and I don't know your name, sometimes I'll do this. When you walk up and like, hey, it's good to see you. Have you ever met Laura, my wife? And oftentimes, if they haven't met Laura, they'll be like, oh, hi Laura, I'm so and so. And then I know, and I don't have to ask. So if you hear me do that, I'm caught, all right? But the truth is, if we want to love our neighbor, sometimes the place to start is with the humility. Practice having a little humility to be like, I should remember your name, and I don't. Will you forgive me? I know I've worked with you for years or lived next to you for a long time, but will you just tell me your name? I'd like to know it. If we practice humility with our neighbors, whether that's asking for their name or apologizing when we've wronged them or forgiving them without necessarily telling them so when they've wronged you, this little bit of humility will go a long way. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's saying, I know that you matter, and I haven't made that a priority. Will you help me make you a priority? Now, church, imagine if we did this, had this kind of humility to ask one another names all the time. Imagine if we had the humility to say, look, I have sat next to you in church for years. I have no idea who you are. What kind of a community could we be then? So if we want to love our neighbor, we have to start by practicing humility. Next, we need to do a tangible good. Maybe you've heard me say it a few times, I've been picking up trash because there's a lot. And it's an easy thing to do that visibly makes a difference. And so if you would like to join me in getting to know our neighbors for the next several weeks, every Thursday at 9 a.m., I'm going to pick up trash. Why Thursday at 9 a.m.? Why not? All right. So if you can't make it at Thursday at 9 a.m. and you want to just come pick up trash around the neighborhood another time, let me know and I'll give you the little pickers and the trash can. And if I can be here, great. If not, have fun on your own getting to know the neighbors. But you don't have to pick up trash to get to know the neighbors. What can you do in your neighborhood that would make a difference for somebody? Maybe it's wheel their trash can back to the house. Maybe it's knock on their door and deliver some bread or some cookies or just simply knock and ask, hey, is there any way that I can help you? Is there anything you need? Or maybe when you're having that rare conversation and you hear them say something where they're hurting, the tangible good you can do is say, that sounds really tough. If you need someone to listen, I'm here for you. Which doesn't cost you anything except a little bit of time and maybe some pride. Third, so we can practice humility, we can do a tangible good. And third, we, if we want to love our neighbor, we need to begin to see their value. See, it's easy to look at our neighbors and see them as the business owner or the person who lives in the apartment complex or the frat guy. It's easy to look at our neighbors and see them because they're homeless or an addict or whatever their problem is that we are looking at. And when we look at them according to the lens of what they offer to us or what we perceive about them, we miss the point altogether. See, when Jesus says the greatest, second greatest commandment is love your neighbor as yourself, he's telling us that we need to see the value our neighbors bring, not just to our life, but to this world around us. See, our neighbors, just like you and just like me, are loved by God. They are children of God whom he cares about greatly. Whether they're super wealthy or really poor, it doesn't matter. He loves them both. And when we begin to see their value as loved children who are broken and hurting in some capacity, we can begin to love them as children who are broken and hurting in some capacity. And we can look past those things they've done that have wronged us So, say, how can I show you Jesus more today than I did yesterday? Like that video said, Jesus later changed this, don't just love as you love yourself, but love as he has loved us. For us to get to know our neighbors and to be good neighbors, we have to be willing to give up something. To walk away from our comfort and our secluded little corner of our our land, our secluded little life, and we have to begin to say, I think you matter. So let me make you a priority today and tomorrow and every day. And who knows, maybe when we begin to love our neighbors, our neighbors will begin to love us and everything will be a little bit better all around. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have sent your son not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. That when we fail to love our neighbor, you have first loved us. When we fail to be honest or humble or to serve or to give, God, you have first given to us. God, we thank you that you're not waiting for us to get it all right and fixed, but each and every day you're pouring out more and more grace and love and kindness and truth. Help us, God, to see this grace and to see the value you have given to our neighbors who live next door or across the street those who own businesses and those who are just passing by, help us to see the value that you have for other people. And may we begin to love, love like you. And God, I pray that as we love our neighbors, your love would be made that much more real for us. Thank you, God, for this gift of life and of love and the invitation to join you in the work that you're doing. May we take that invitation today and follow you wherever that may lead. We pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We are going to continue our worship today by collecting an offering. And like last week, I told you, we're not gonna be passing the buckets anytime soon. Um, The buckets are in the back, the popcorn buckets that we've used for years. Um, Either when you leave today or right now, if you want to get up, if you came prepared with cash or check, you can put your offering in those buckets as a way to give back and say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing, not only here at The Point, but in this community. And if you would rather give online, you can give at thepointknox.com by clicking on the little blue button in the corner. Uh, However you choose to give and whatever you choose to give, know this, God doesn't love you any more or any less because of the size of your gift. He just loves you a lot. This is the part of the service where we always uh, address questions. We believe questions are a really healthy part of faith and helping us wrestle with who God is. So this is less a question and more something I just need to remember. A big shout out to Joshua Morse who's joining us on live stream today. It's his birthday. Happy birthday, buddy. We love you. And um, if you have a birthday, please let us know. Like I'm pretty sure every one of you has one but I don't know when all of your birthdays are. So if you fill out that connect form, you let us know your birthday, then we can celebrate you as well, all right? Um, Next up, this is also less of a question and more of a comment, but I think it's still worth saying. Uh, It's good to hear a sermon without the extra political garbage going on. You know what, the reason we call this space a sanctuary is because in all the world and all the places around us, there's a lot of chaos and turmoil and mess, but here in this place, it's not about those things. It's about Jesus. And it's always going to be about Jesus. And if you ever find that anything hits you in a way that feels like it's calling out political things, uh, please, let's talk about that because this space is not about politics and division and fighting. It's about Jesus. Always. All right? And now as we close, remember today this promise and this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May He look upon you with favor and give you His peace. Amen. Love you guys.
1: See you later. Thank you for listening to one of our Sunday morning messages. If this message has made an impact in your life, please let us know. Simply fill out the Contact Us page on thepointknox.com. And if you'd like to be a part of supporting The Point Ministry, simply go to thepointknox.com forward slash support. Don't hesitate to contact us or join us in person every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We pray this message has an impact in your life or at least makes it easy for you to connect with God where you are.